When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I would like to tell you a story. Knife Talk is sponsored by Evenheat, the manufacturers of the finest knife treat ovens available. Find your next heat treat oven at evenheat-kiln.com. All right, here we are. Another episode of Knife Talk. We are a podcast for knife makers, blacksmiths, bladesmiths, enthusiasts. We're here to answer your questions and keep you company doing whatever you're doing. So I'm Jeff Fader of Fader Knives. Um, I'm pleasured. I'm I'm uh, I'm honored to be with Mareko Momasi, Momasi Fire Arts, and I'm also honored to be with Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives. Guys, it's been a long week. What's been going on? Well. Uh, myself, uh, I've been just back to the grind, getting into, uh, I just finished up that giant blade. Uh, I think I talked about finishing that up last week. I actually got it mailed out and everything. And, uh, of course, like I was saying last week, I was like, oh, great, I'll mail this out tomorrow. And then found like a thousand different little tiny details that I wanted to just snug up before I sent it out. So I ended up sending out the following day. Anyways, uh, but I got that out. It looks it looks beautiful. It came together really nicely. I got a lot of great photos that I haven't even posted up yet. Just a couple I got up, but not anyways. Anyhow. So it's an incredible, it's an incredible long chef knife with the, your mosaic pattern. It's, yeah. it's exquisite with a burl handle and a burl saya. It's, I mean, it is, it's, it's incredible. I mean, it is incredible. It's a beast. It's a beast. And I think it's going to be a great cutter. And the chef uh, that it went to really knows how to make, use and how to handle a large knife like that um so it's just uh it's always it's always a little nervous making as jeff would say uh if um you know if somebody requests that but they don't really know you know a lot of people who are making custom orders they order this out of the other thing because maybe they went on to some sort of forum or something and they heard somebody else say that this is the best kind of grind or this is the best profile and realistically it's all subjective to how you actually use the tool and um so if somebody just out of the blue is asking for that uh, i probably would steer them away from it but I know this guy, he's professional, and uh, it is his preference for larger knives, and he exemplifies his ability to use the thing uh, on his Instagram. Um, other things I've been up to, actually, I've been a little cryptic. I what was it, a couple weeks ago, I made a call out for uh, dates for any kind of knife-related events, um, and really trying to be very, pretty focused, because there are a lot of like gun shows that also have knife stuff going on. Um, but, uh, trying to 
kind of gather as much like knife shows like Blade as well as smaller shows uh, around the country because I'm putting together a knife maker calendar. Um, it was a uh, it was an idea, a pet project I was gonna just do for myself for shits and giggles, and I was like, well, just like the t. Is this a naked calendar? No, no naked people. No, these are all blades. These are all knives that uh, that are uh, are makers who do just really outstanding work. And the idea, what for me, like I said, I was going to make it for myself, was to just like have that inspiration. You know, like you see the race car post like calendars where people pin up uh, the cars or even actual pinups like uh, scantily clad women next to cars and stuff like that in the shops. But for me, I I want the knives. Uh, to just kind of give me that drive to keep on pushing and, and show me stuff that I can continue to strive for in my own making. And so, but the other idea is to also fill the calendar, not only with shows, but also hammer-ins, like Travis Wirtz hammer-in. Or uh, there's the Batson hammer-in that's actually happening right now, which will be actually just a couple days ago when this finally comes out, uh, down in Alabama. And there's all kinds of events like that happening around the country year-round. Uh, and then the final kind of little note is that it's not going to be a january to december year it's going to be based around blade show because all the knife makers i talk to base their building schedule around building up and getting ready for blade show which is the largest knife exposition in the world so i thought well shit why not make a calendar that is designed to help people kind of prepare for that um both in having shows scheduled out and events scheduled out, but also just so they can have it, you know, write, actually physically write stuff down on the calendar. But we got a lot of, I got a lot of good makers on there. I'm still looking for more information. So if anybody's got any, anything, send, send me an email or a DM and regarding knife shows and hammer-ins and future dates. So this is going to be uh, June. It's going to be a June to May because Blade Show is the first weekend in June. So June. So by the time June rolls around, literally, that's like that's it. You know, you should be ready. So, um, so anything that's happening in 2020 up to the end of May in 2020, any dates you got, lo- would love them. But it, again, it's just a little side pet project, just for fun, just because I thought I would. I wanted it for myself, and I thought, just like the T-shirts, I thought you know maybe other people would be into it. Uh, we're looking to get a, a sample printed out uh in the next week and then probably try to just kind of reach out and see who's interested and get some numbers and then do some start printing and getting them put together and possibly have some extras put together to have at blade show somehow possibly i might be going to blade show now so that would be cool but yeah that's well, it nice. <laughs> so are you are you interested are you like reaching out to like uh the new england school of metalwork and yeah and well, like uh abana and uh, sure so yeah we've, guys? we've looked up a lot of that stuff you know even in blade magazine and other kind of uh knife periodicals they have calendar events and so we've reached out to those what we you know we know about the new england or you know i know about the new england school of metalworks hammering that they do up there uh in july every year as and just you know yeah, so I, I've been we've been reaching out all to all the ones uh, that we know of, but we obviously I, I say we, my wife and I are putting this together, and so uh, you know we don't know all of them, and so even if there's repeats, if you're don't f- be afraid of oh if you if you think you want to send something, don't be afraid it might be a repeat or you know somebody should know that. Uh, other than Blade Show, I, Blade Show is obvious because that's the whole thing about the calendar is based around the Blade Show uh, or build up to Blade Show. So, but yeah. That's 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 what I got. Hmm. 
Cool, wow. cool. Well, if you want a picture of my eight inches to put up on your wall, I'll email one across. Love oh it. Oh my god! Oh my god! We're starting in. We're starting <laughs> in, ladies and gentlemen. We're starting <laughs> in, ladies and gentlemen. Oh. Poo? I've been out. I've been out of the country. I've been back in the UK for a whole month, and we got back just on Monday. So coming up to a week now. Yeah. And it's that thing you get back, and there's just you know there's mail everywhere. So many things to sort out. There's. And it's, it's the end of the tax year as well. So it's just been a complete and utter admin week. Yeah. And it's just been a complete headache, complete headache. But what I have had is a lot of responses from, I talked a few episodes ago about a, a proposal document that I'd mm. made. Um, and whenever anybody reaches out, if it's a restaurant, I basically tailor this document to them and I send this back. And the, the hit rate has been incredible, incredible. So... Getting lots of sort of larger restaurant orders in, which is brilliant because that's just that sort of repeatable stuff that I can do pretty quickly. Um, so that's what I've been doing all this week, just all the admin, all the admin. So, yeah, I'm glad the weekend is here. Nice. Yes, yes, yes. What about yourself, Jeff? Well, today is Saturday and this marks the f- the third week I've been in the shop straight. So I'm I'm like zapped. I'm super zapped and I'm, and I I just made I made it very clear to myself and that I needed to kind of get over this particular hump in regards to um some orders that needed to be taken care of so I could, you know, get get ahead. So now I've officially gotten ahead and um, I'm on schedule. I'm a little bit, a tiny bit ahead of schedule. And I'm really kind of proud about it. It was a long, 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 long three weeks. And yeah. I'm happy about that. And then this week, I, you know, we got some nice mentions on a podcast, um, a podcast that I listen to, uh, called the Opie radio podcast who, uh, stars, uh, Opie, Greg Opie Hughes, who I have been a huge fan of as a, he's been a broadcaster for a long, long time. I've listened to his, all the incarnations of his shows. I'm, I'm just, uh, a, a, I'm a big fan of his and I've always listened to his, uh, well, listeners, radio shows and podcasts in, uh, in my shop. So he's been mentioning me. He and uh, he does a podcast with Carl Ruiz, uh, who Sabor Chef on Instagram, who I've been doing, uh, you know, I did the Cuban Knives with. And they were on uh, this podcast this week on uh, episode 95 of the Opie Radio podcast with um, Matt Farah of the Smoking Tire podcast. And they were mm. they're in this fancy car podcast. Uh, kind of garage with these high-end, you know, millions of dollars with the cars. And then all of a sudden, Matt says, when are you going to start making more of those knives? They started talking about my knives. and It was really, really cool. And at the end of the podcast, uh, the producer, Joey Salvia, is a super, super good guy, did a big plug for me and mentioned Knife Talk Podcast. And oh, nice. for that, I'm very grateful. I'm really, really, really happy. It's a podcast. It's a, a broadcaster that I'm a really, like, I'm a big fan of in terms of, all his successes over the years and he's just a opie's awesome guy and it, you know i think that his shows are always very enter- entertaining so i was thrilled to be on it that was good and i listened then, uh, to it i listened i saw your swipe up in instagram stories yeah. and i went and listened to it it was really good it sounded also like they had one of those giant sandwiches that carl gave us that one time we popped by his place yeah <laughs> carl's, a, carl's a awesome you know carl it was carl's birthday this week too and everyone's oh, wow. bananas but actually really what happened was he actually last sunday he facetimed me and we ended up talking for an hour 
Nice. And he's a super dude. He's a super guy. He and I are going to do another project very, very soon. And he's got a restaurant opening up soon. And I'm going to help do a couple things for the restaurant, which I'm excited for. And yeah. then we, we're going to do another night. We're not going to, we haven't really talked about doing the Cuban knife again. We might be doing another variation of it soon, but I'm actually making a small knife with him called uh the bandito he wanted to make it you know he's a ca- quite a character so he wanted to make uh this small you know like a, a chef knife for out i like a outdoor camping cooking knife so, you know a knife mm. that if you're outdoors or you're barbecuing or you're like camping or something you have something that you can prepare he wanted that's really what he wanted and i designed something for him and the first one didn't come out the way I wanted to, and I'm finishing up the second one, and I'm going to have it soon. And and you know, look, he, look, he's a, he's always been very supportive of me and small businesses, and I'm very grateful to his friendship, and he's been awesome. And look, I mean, the Cuban knife was like a Cuban knife was a crazy, crazy project that uh, you know we got a lot of sales from that. You know, just knowing him, and so I'm very yeah. appreciative to him. And and I hopefully I'm trying. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get Opie and Carl to come up to my shop to do their podcast. They like to go on field trips, and I actually made a knife for Opie as you know, just a thanks for over the years of all the the nice things he's done for me. Uh, you know, just podcasts. When we do this podcast, especially, I really kind of look to him in terms of you know we're trying to we're not we're trying to teach you some shit and you know answer some questions. <laughs> but my opinion is, we're, I feel like we're trying to keep you company. Because, you know, the people who listen to podcasts, you know, they're not sitting there with a pen and pencil, obviously, because we'll say something and then you ask us to, do you DM us to ask you, you know, do you DM us to ask you to give you a full (laughs) answer again? You know, I'm now getting to the point where I'm trying to listen episode, you know, so he's, you know, these podcasts are to keep you company. And I, I, that is one thing I really appreciate. So um, I'm appreciative of them. And, you know, it was a busy week. Love it. So, oh, but three it. weeks straight in the shop, that's yeah. not healthy, Jeff. Well, not healthy. I mean, <laughs> look, I know that, you know, I, I know. And and actually, Wednesday, I was actually, for some, something happened, and I, like, hit the wall. And I, as soon as I woke up, I was, like, in a blur. Look, this is, let's just be frank. I mean, if you want to have a business, you've got to be make some sacrifices. And sometimes mm, yeah. some of those sacrifices are working harder working harder than other people i mean I, I want this to work i don't want this to be you know my, my i got a family members who's like oh you're taking off columbus day columbus day what are you crazy i have i get you know I, you can't <laughs> people ask us how you people ask us how you become you know a full-time knife maker you've got to devote your if you it doesn't even be a knife maker any type of small business you have to devote your time you know all of a sudden you you have to be willing to make sacrifices, yeah. and, and this was a particular thing. I, I, I just I knew that it wasn't that I wanted to, but I knew that if I had just gave myself, you know, enough time, I could get through all these things and then get to the next thing. So I'm taking Sunday off, and I'm gonna, you know, I'm very excited about that. Me and too. I'm gonna take next Are you Saturday excited for the too. picnic? I'm just joking. Picnic. I'm actually pretending we're going to go hang out. (laughs) I'm going to actually. My daughter is in her first. uh, She's on a crew team, and tomorrow's her first scrimmage, and she's terrified. So I'm I'm very excited about that. I'm very excited to watch her. Cool. Be on the crew team. Be miserable. (laughs) Well, she's not going to be miserable. She'll be all right. You know. So for a number of weeks, we've been hinting at having a new sponsor specifically for our European audience. 
And today's the day. Today's the day. So Clarix Metalworks, which is clarixmetalworks.com, um, Clarix with a Y, they make grinders, and they are amazing grinders. So your standard 2 by 72 this takes this and just rips it away and just comes up with something amazing. So it is a 2 two by 72 but what it will do, it'll do that, you know, that pivot to be a horizontal grinder, which we're starting to see more and more of. But it'll also stop at any point in space. So whatever angle you want, whether you want your platen facing up, down, left, right, backwards, inside out, whether you want a horizontal, you'll do it all. And it just clamps in place at any point in space. Yeah. Amazing. They all come with the VFD, and they've got three different configurations uh, of horsepowers and all the rest of it. Um, a fully articulating tool rest, which, again, could be at any point in space. Really, really cool. Um, and I've never seen this kind of design before, but the controls, so the VFD controls, so you don't have to go reaching around the back to get the VFD. They've put the controls right up front on, on like a tool tray at the bottom of the, of the grinder. So you're easy to get to. There's an extra plug socket there, so you can plug in a lamp or your dust collection. It's all there at hand. A choice of colours. Um, and the best thing about it is the shipping. It's super inexpensive. So I think it's 60 euros for anywhere within Europe, but they are shipping internationally. So they're saying get get in touch with them, and they'll give you a quote for international shipping, which is very, very... The cheapest I've seen. They make everything in-house in their own factory. The only thing that they don't do is rubberize the wheels. So they make the wheels. They don't get anything in from China or from anywhere else. They make everything. But they will get the wheels rubberized elsewhere. That's the only thing. So that's the BG Pro V2 grinder. And that's from Clarix Metalworks. And we've got a discount for you. Ooh. So if you use the, the code KNIFETALK5, you're going to get 5% off that. They're also giving a special deal on shipping as well to our listeners. So make sure you take a look. So it's clarixmetalworks.com. I've got the link in the show notes. I've ordered one. Um, it's on its way, and I cannot wait. Um, I know um, proper, proper Knives, uh, Proper Church, he's oh, yeah. got one. Um, and they're just fantastic looking. They're very, very well-priced. Um, and they're just so uh, flexible with what you can do with them. So go take a look. They've got some really nice videos showing them as well. So Clarix Metalworks, and that's clarixmetalworks.com. Yeah, they're, those are crazy-looking, cool-looking grinders. And they, they look like a transformer almost in a way. Uh, but, yeah, they're, they're, rot- like they're a serious machine shop. Their rotary platen looks 100% yeah. awesome. I I would love to get my hands on an, an extra rotary platen yeah, just to have around. But, yeah, it was really neat. I, I look yeah, forward I've to just hearing. Or- oh, go ahead. Just ordered one of them as well. So I've ordered my machine, which is the uh, the two horsepower with the rotary platen Good. and the small wheel attachment too. So it's the, the full kit. And I just it, it's coming, I think it's coming next week. That extra power is wait. nice. I can't wait. Hey man, can yeah. I ask you a question? I have a, a legit question. Why? What would be the benefit? I, I don't know. I'm telling you this because I don't know because I've never used one. Tell me the what a rotary platen is for. Right. So, oh, go ahead, Craig. Oh, right. I was going to let you go, but um, basically, you have you. It, it can flip around, so you'll have. I think there's there's three different sides to it. So it's like a triangle, or it may be four. Maybe it may be like a parallelogram. But each one, there's there's a rubber belt around there, and each one has its own um, sort of flexibility to the belt. So right. the, mm. the closer the wheels are to the belt, the less flexible. The the further apart the, uh, so the, the wheels are, so you have more so slack. Yeah, so it gives you a slack belt but with just a lot more precision. Yeah, with a and then so the backing. Sort of a, a, yeah, and if you're doing like a concave design or something like that, it's you know you you can get you can. Put, 
put some real pressure on. Whereas if you're just using a normal slack belt, where you, let's say you remove the platen, you, it's it's just way too slack. Yeah, way to too do way too much curvature. Right. Yeah, yeah. So the rotary platen, because it's a a rubber belt running behind your grinding belt, it gives it has a little give, so you can get that convexity without it going crazy. Um, they're pretty nice. Jeremy, sim- my simple uh, simple little life, rather. Um, he's in a great video on using a rotary platen because he's got one himself. Nice. Huh. I'll have to check it out. So that's clarixmetalworks.com. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? <laughs> this is now the Hey Cutie, can I ask you a question? No, uh, no this is the part of the podcast. This is our Q&A section. Uh, this is where, you know, we reach out to you guys and say, hey, ask us a good question. We'll do our best to answer it. And so you send them in and we do our best to uh, to answer them. And so uh, I'll kick it off. This first one is from TMAC401. As full-time makers, do you guys work certain amount of hours per week or uh, sorry, and try to fit as much work in those hours or do you just set a certain amount of projects for a week? It seems like if you're self-employed, you can easily work way more hours uh, than it's probably healthy for your relationship in life, um, which is very poignant because Jeff was just talking about yeah, this. You want to kick that off? But... I, I, you know, it. here's the thing. I, <clears throat> I you know, I'm... Uh... The answer is yes and no. I mean, you can go either way. I think that the most important thing is is to be realistic. And I, I think that also, you know, when it comes down to it, you, there's no one to blame. There's nobody to, when you're doing your thing, there's no, you can't make excuses and you can't, it's either going to work or it isn't going to work. And it's ultimately your responsibility. So my opinion is, is yes, you can definitely work more hours than you're used to. I got friends of mine who work all through the night. I personally, after six o'clock, I'm a kind of a disaster area. So I don't, I don't really go past five. I, I do, I get, try to get to the shop by seven and I'm here, you know, I take a lunch and then I stay till about five. Um, do I work Saturdays and Sundays recently? Yeah. And, and it's to get, I do weekly, uh, I have weekly got, uh, um, deadlines that I try to make for myself and I try to make daily deadlines that, that work for the next day. Like, especially like getting knives ready for heat treatment. Like I know that if, if I need to heat treat something, I know that I, um, I want to get everything ready for heat treatment by the end of by the end of the first day. I want to get everything ready for the heat treatment so I could spend the rest of the next day from the beginning to heat treat and temper. So I, I try to be as organized as possible. You don't want to all of a sudden in the middle of the day say, "All right, I'm ready to heat treat and temper," and then all of a sudden you don't have the time to do it. You know, yeah. so you be, you have to work a little backwards. And sometimes, yes, the answer is yes. And, and the final thing is, is you know, my wife believes in this and she wants this to work and she wants me to be satisfied and she understands that like right now it's saturday morning she has she's a nurse practitioner she has to work today she has to work on every other sunday you know uh, two sundays a month or one one sunday a month saturday a month and you make sacrifices for your family we're not you know and but at the same time you have to have an understanding you know Hmm. so i think i think we're in a very different place so um i've got that the biggest respect for jeff because the hours that he puts in and we message each other quite often during the week and no matter what time of day i message there's response immediately i don't think this guy sleeps but <laughs> the issue the issue i've got is completely different to to jeff's because um we we my family and i we moved to france uh, sort of two years ago now to, to renovate this old house um we've had twins uh, my wife works from home too 
Um, and she's the chief breadwinner in the house. She earns way more money than than I ever will making knives. So I need to step up with with the twins, and I need to step up around the house. Yep. So for me, it's I'm always itching, itching, itching to get back into the shop so I can make more. So I, my issue is I don't have the time. Right. Literally, don't have the time to be in the shop as much as I need to. Sure. Um, so it's it's a slightly slightly different answer to, to what Jeff's will be, but again, with regards to planning schedules, um, like Jeff said, I try to if I've got a bunch of knives, I'll try and do all heat treating all together. It obviously makes things a little more economical that way as well. Um, and I like to get into into a stride of things uh, as opposed to working on one bespoke knife from beginning to end, which I think may be the way Morocco does things. Um, because of the way I allocate my time, I can't really do that. So I, t- I try to put things in sections. So, you know, I'll heat treat sort of maybe a dozen knives. Um, then I'll do, you know, grinds on a dozen knives. Then I'll handle a dozen knives. Um, so that, that's the way that I try to do things. But I, what about yourself, Marek? Well, just really quick, can I just mention, you know, the both of you are in different different uh, parts of your family evolution than I am. You know, I've been yeah. where you guys are where I've had young a young... My daughter is now old enough that she's much more independent. When I was younger, when she was born, I had to figure out ways to make sculpture that I wasn't leaving the shop. So I was doing yeah. a lot of small stuff that I could do in the house to figure out ways in which I could not only just make sculpture, but also be there for my family. So yeah. that's also something that that's just part of the evolution of your, of how your, your kids are going to grow and being able to figure out your schedule. Absolutely. Yeah. But I think the most important thing is, is having that desire to be wanting to make. So even when you can't make, you're itching to make. It's a compulsion. So, if you, you don't have yeah. the compulsion, it's never going to work. Yeah. Exactly. So when you are in the shop, it's it's not a chore. You, you love it. You love what you do. So that's the most important thing. As long as you've got that passion, you can make it work. Yeah. In whatever way. Yeah. The, it's definitely an obsession in a way where I'm just like I'm always thinking about design ideas, whether it be actual knife designs or pattern designs and stuff like that. But when it comes to uh, you know, work hours and stuff like that. I think a lot of people mistakenly think, at least I have this idea, oh, I can make my own hours and I can work for myself and, you know, I don't have somebody hanging over me telling me what to do all the time. This is going to be great. And I work more for myself now than I've ever worked in any job I've ever mm. had in my entire life. And just, just uh, yeah, I, hours alone. I work. And it's changed definitely since my son was born and and since I got married um, because priorities changed. And, you know, those like he was saying, you know, how do you keep it from affecting relationships? I think it's it's about having open, clear conversations about expectations around, you know, how much time is expected or wanted or needed for things to work. And but when I first started, you know, I was a single guy. Uh, I didn't I wasn't married, didn't have a kid. I was working 12, 14 hour days. Like every, basically every day, um, as as much as I could, just because. Well, and part of that was because I was hungry and trying to start establishing a name for myself and get work out there as quickly as I possibly could. But as things gradually started to change, I got married. You know, those relationships uh, require time, and that means time out of shop. But then that that transitions into being more effective in the shop. And I think the way Jeff organizes his days is brilliant. What I, I stuff I've done in the past that I need to be more be better about is making lists so I have those kind of goals and I have that kind of like what I what I plan and expect to get done in a day um 
set in my head so that by the end of the day, uh, I feel like I've accomplished things and I can go home feeling good about my day instead of, instead of, I think that's the biggest uh, role that lists play is like when you don't have kind of a list that you're working by, um, you can go home sometimes and not feel like you've accomplished very much. But maybe you've been working on one pain in the ass thing all day. And it's not its not about, I guess, the, the quantity, but the quality of that work. And if you're getting things done, you're getting things done. You don't, you know, take it easy on yourself. And uh, But yeah, I think it, it's about just figuring out what works for you in your life and those who are involved in your life, whether it's, you know, a significant other or your kids, you know, you got to make that stuff work. And, you know, if you're not making time for those, like everything's going to fail. Basically you you can't just put it all into one basket. You got to balance it, but that's, that's very objective. Efficiency makes you efficiency makes you more organized. And the more organized you are, the more time you have at home. Absolutely. Positive time. Positive time. Yeah. Even this question turned into relationship advice. That's amazing. There you go. <laughs> We're going to be getting into the, We had a couple of those. <laughs> we have, yeah. <laughs> the next is from Swift Knives UK. Hey, cutie. When do you need to reflatten your platen? That's, that sounds great to say. Reflatten your platen. Reflatten. Um, I, I think it depends how you're using it. So I, um, there's no shame in saying, but I use a tool rest for everything. All my grinds. I've always got the tool rest on. Sure. So if I'm doing, I mean, most of my chef knives are 50 mil wide. So generally, I'm putting a lot more wear on my platen, that that sort of height. Yeah. Because I can't, my current grinder, I can't move that tool rest up and down. Um, the new grinder that's coming, I'll be able to, which is cool. But yeah. my current grinder, I can't. So that platen will need to be dressed um, occasionally when you find that you've got bumps and you've got lumps. And you, you'll hear it too. You'll hear the belt going around there. Yeah. Um, but as I say, it's going to depend completely how you're using your platen. I tell you what, I have found something that I saw years ago. My buddy, Matt Paul, MP Knives, I saw it. He, he did this and I looked into it and I did it and it's a great decision. He was putting these Pyrex plates on the flat of his platen. Mm-hmm. And I looked into it and um, this knife supply company did a video. And basically what you do is you get this Pyrex is a heat proof to this to a certain degree you can put you know you can put pyrex dish you get pyrex dish you put them in the oven blah 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 so you get a pyrex um plate that's the size of you measure your plat and you get the pyrex plate that's the same size and then what you do is you 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 drill and tap a couple uh bolts underneath the ledge of where the plat the glass platen would sit would rest down mm-hmm. and then that the the bolts or whatever are going to make sure that it it it's something that's like a ledge for the plat the the pyrex to sit on then you get some jb weld you put some jb weld on the steel of your platen then you put the the pyrex on you clamp it down you let it dr- oh, he, uh, here over uh, here for how long however long it goes jb weld work perfectly and it's going to wear a lot less. And I, I I did that on this one platen three years ago. And I'm getting barely, I'm not getting hardly any. The only wear I'm getting is on the edges of the top and the bottom mm. of the Pyrex. I am shocked at how good it is. Not only does it not really wear, but the the JB Weld has held for a long, long time. I mean, since I've done it, I've I've seen I check it every so often, and I don't see any problems. That is an awesome, awesome solution to having to do. I don't want to. I don't want to. I, I wouldn't. I, if I had to redo my platen, I would just cut a piece of bar stock and re get it a new one. I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't try to fuck with that. 
<laughs> I mean, that's how I made my... When I built my grinder, that's what... I just made it out of mild steel. My platinum is just mild steel, which sounds yeah. terrible. But I'm grinding all over the place on the thing, and I'm never really wearing in one spot. But back to the question, when do you want to do that? It, like Craig was saying, if you start picking up dips and wows and stuff in your platinum, then that's when you want to... And, it, and you find that it's affecting your grinding, then you definitely yeah. want to do that because it's going to... Co- uh, compromise your consistency in your grinds if you got all these weird dips and bumps in your in your uh, in your platen, and and it's showing up in the face of your in the face of your knives. So yeah, that's when you want to get in there and clean that stuff up. The Pyrex dish thing, the Pyrex plate thing, I I it. I mean, I haven't had to. I mean, how do you you can't redress Pyrex really? I mean, nah. I guess you could, but I haven't had to. It's been it's I've been a couple of years now, and it's been great. Yeah, you know, my my mild steel, I've been working on that thing for 4 years now. I've I don't have a problem with it at there all. There you go. I've never had a problem with it. You could probably also do you make like a sli- you who cares? We've answered the question. <laughs> there you go. I, I don't know, I, now I'm curious. Put, what? Tell me. I, it was a stupid idea, and I'm just like, I'm, as soon as I thought about it, I'm just like, let's talk about it. I'm like, nah, let's not talk about it. Let's go on. This is right. nothing. It's nonsense. All right, you're All next. right, next one comes from our buddy, Swift Knives UK. Hey, Ke- oh, I did that one. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Back sorry, up, sorry. <laughs> this Hope is a better question anyway. I'm with you, Swift Knives UK. I'm head. tired, man. It's three weeks straight, I'm fucking tired. All right, this one comes from Van Hoke Blades, our, our buddy we uh, gave a, sh- Craig gave a shout out to last week. Hey, cutie pies. What do you do if you think a girl is dropping subtle hints, but you're not really sure? Seems like you need to come up with a different universe to understand what they're really saying. So he's a relationship advice. He's he's, he's coming of age. He's coming of age. Right. So Van Hook Blades, we featured it last week. He's a, I think he was 14, 14 year old knife maker, um, oh, 14. making the most, the most, the most amazing, beautiful knives. Um, so he, he's, that's the question we all ask ourselves I, every day. You know day. what? I got the. I mean, go ahead, but I got a, a very easy answer. Let's you, go, you go. All right. Well, listen, listen, Van Hoke. This is not the, the statistics are clear that this is not going to be the woman that you live the rest of your life with. So you, this is like this is like some young love or whatever. I think what you should do is not be so crazy and just go say, "Hey, man, you want to go get some coffee or something?" Yeah. You know, and just. Just, just go ask, ask her. But don't make it like a. Everybody makes these date things like such a. It's such a, a this important situation. Just go say, "Hey, we go to the movies," and that's the end of it. If she says yes, then yes. And if it's no, then no. The chances of her being your wife down the line are very slim. So I, I would I think about that like that. This, you know, relax. Just get just buy her some coffee or something. When I was twenty, or in my early twenties, a friend actually gave me that advice, that same exact advice. You know, I because I used to overthink everything, and he's like, "What are you afraid of?" You know, she's going to say no, whatever. Like, you don't know her. She doesn't know you. Like, you can't take that personal. But I think another thing, especially if you have a running, like, commentary or, like, maybe you see each other in class or something like that. If you think they're interested uh, potentially in hanging out, I think uh, one of the other great tips I got from somebody, it was actually a buddy's dad. He's like, come up with something that you're already planning on doing that's maybe interesting to somebody else and already have a thing and just be like, hey, you know, I'm going to this thing the other day. It's, it's really cool. And maybe tell them about it. And you're like, I don't know what you got going on, but would you be interested in going with me? Boom. Like, 
You don't have to yeah, then and be casual. Yeah, like, yeah, just have call a, her man. Yeah. Say hey man. Hey man. Hey man. Just go up to her and say, Hey man, you want to go see a movie? No, Come you on, say man. bro. I want to go see the bro. new Avengers hey, movie. Cutie. Bro. Hey cutie. Hey cutie. Don't Come say on, cutie. Say hey man. <laughs> hey man, let's go get something to eat. I said, Listen, that's what happened to how I met my wife. My I knew my wife in college and uh, we'd known each other for a long time and then she had just broken up with some dude and I was just like she was in in the art shop and I was just, we were talking and I said hey man you want to go get some dinner and she goes ah. you, caught her, you caught her at a low moment well I mean it was, it was vulnerable it wasn't right it wasn't it wasn't as soon as I mean it wasn't like a minute after they broke up I had to like swoop in like a crazy person I was like it was a few months had passed and, and, I, and I, I said hey man you want to get something to eat get some Chinese food and she said well you know, I'm not really interested in a relationship. I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm not really interested in a relationship. But I said, I didn't say anything about a relationship. I said, let's get some Chinese food. I said, let's just get some dinner. I, I'm not, you know, boom. And then she went out for dinner. And then all of a sudden, that was it. And I, I was like, I'm not, you know, let's not be so, everybody's so reverential about this shit. You want to get something to eat? You got to eat. I got to eat. Let's go get something to eat. You know, and then be done with it. Hey, man, what were you let's saying get some last, Chinese food. You were saying something last week about being a steal your girl kind of guy. Damn right. <laughs> Damn and right. Back in the advice. day, back in the day, I made it happen. If things go very well, and let's say who did, you know, it's a stats game, as, as Jeff said. You probably aren't going to get married, but if you do, here's another tip. Something I learned this week: when your wife says to you, "Look, it's my birthday this week. I really, really don't want anything. Really don't. We've got a busy week coming up. Don't spend the time or the money. Make sure you do get something." <laughs> Otherwise, oh. otherwise, your weekend is going to be a living house. That old movie. Oh, are you in the Are you in the shit house? Oh yeah, you're in the I'm shit house. house. I'm you recording in the workshop today. Oh man, so so that's what she said. You said okay, okay, you got it. No presents okay, for you, Fred. <laughs> and now and now you're in the shit house. Oh yeah. Oh, you oh, yeah. slipped. You fell for the old banana in the tailpipe. You you <laughs> fucked up. You fucked up. You fucked up. All right, I... well, look. This next one is from Josh Scott Knives. He says, what's up, fuckers? Can I ask you a question? What What is the single most important thing slash trait slash whatever that makes you successful in your knife making? To Lou, kissy face. Oh. Big bug eyes. Big old bug eyes. You know, Big old bug you know, eyes. Josh Scott knives. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You know, when I was in the UK last week, <laughs> um, I was in one of these like discount shops and they had this pack of like googly eye stickers. <laughs> so I bought a pack and I put them on all my machinery here in the, in the <laughs> workshop. So when I turn them on and they start vibrating, these big old googly eyes start jumping around. <laughs> And I think I need to call each machine Josh. From All right, no, nah, we're just kidding with the old Josh, big old bug eyes. That's a good question, though. Who wants okay. to start in? What makes you successful? I think it's up to you what makes you successful. Um, I think if you're if you're happy um, and you're turning out work that you're happy with, I'd say you're successful. Make up your own success. Don't allow other people to tell you whether you're successful that's, that's, because they're successful is going to be different to your success. That's very Carl of you. Which you, Carl? You def- very, oh, yeah. Very zen. Yeah, very zen. <laughs> Childs. He stopped by, Mr. Carl he Childs, stopped by the yeah. shop a couple last you week. You define your own success. Uh, yeah. I, well, I, I, my opinion is, is I think you have to be relentless. I think yeah. that you have to be, you know, you, you have to be relentless. And you have to be, you have to, 
know that it's this or nothing and you have to put everything into it and you have to be honest. And I think that you have to be hardworking. I think you have to be willing to adjust. I think being a blacksmith or a bladesmith or a knife maker or a sculptor, I think there's a lot of opportunities to be uh, a problem solver. I think you need to be a problem solver and I think you need to be, you know, you need to hustle. I think that's very important and be honest. Yeah, you got to be willing to really work hard. I think one of the things that have uh, helped me in becoming what many are considering successful has been just using social media as a as a platform by which I kind of share my journey. And and I think a lot, right now a lot of people define success by the number of followers you have and stuff like that. And if you're looking for that, you know. You just got to do a good job of telling your story. I think, I think uh, a lot of the older guard knife makers they they see social media and they kind of step back and say, "Oh, it's just a bunch bunch of stupid young kids messing around on their phones." Um, but it's the current platform by which people tell their story, and I think more and more people who are buying knives, especially custom or anything custom anything handmade, especially they're buying based on the story that you've helped relate to them. You know, there's a reason that people preferred Coke over Pepsi or Fords over Chevys and stuff like that. And it's because those brands Let's let's not do th- let's not do this. We're not have a vote this week. Thank God. Okay. Thank God the yeah, voice yeah, no, of no, reason no, finally. No, no. Thank, We're not thank doing you, a vote. Craig. We could have we could have <laughs> I could have used you a few weeks ago. Jesus <laughs> H Christ. No, no, no. yeah, I, but those brands have done a good job telling their story and they've done it in a way that connects with their audience and so if you do a good job telling your story your audience is going to find you and you can find your audience and and that will help build your following the more people who are following you the more likely you're going to make a sale and so on and so forth and you can be successful in that way if that's how you're defining your success now i'm going to but take say- the devil's advocate a little bit here because okay. i don't i think that especially i see uh i hear a lot of uh, other knife makers talking about uh, people just want to be a YouTube guy. People just want to be a content guy, and you're giving content over substance. Substance over quality. What's the expression? Substance. I don't know what the. You know what I'm talking about. Don't yeah, look at the yeah. finger. You miss all the heavenly glory. So I think that it comes down to. I mean, I think that there are a lot of very successful people who don't. You know, social media isn't really something that they need or right. want. I don't think you need to be Absolutely. doing this. I don't think you need it. I, I think that it's a good. Uh, at, you know, in regards to, I think I always think it's a. Um, you know, it's personal decision. Some people don't want to share their lives sure. and some people don't think that their lives need to be shared in order to sell their product. But at the same time, you're right. Mm. I think with social media, I think it's important to, to remember what the focus is. So if you're a knife maker and your focus is to sell knives, remember that that's your focus. It's not to get followers. Um, I think the three of us are quite fortunate that we have, you know, a sort of following online. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean. Certainly for me, does that that following doesn't equate to to selling knives. I sell very very few knives. Period. But I sell very few knives. <laughs> I think from from Instagram. What I'm finding more and more lately is my orders are coming from restaurants, restaurant managers, and chefs who have found the my website online. And when they ask to see, you know, can we see more pictures and that kind of thing, I direct them to my Instagram. And they're like, oh, right. We, you know, and so, so I'm finding that the orders that I'm getting aren't necessarily coming from Instagram, which has been a huge surprise to me. You know, and I say over the last maybe three or four weeks, this realization has happened. 
Um, but I mean, just looking at my followers, they're all knife makers. Nobody's yeah. buying my stuff from Instagram because they're knife makers. Well, you've positioned yourself as a resource, especially with the podcast and making, creating these relationships with all these great makers and hearing their stories. You've, you've, people are learning from listening to the podcast, whether it's the old format or the new format. And I think you, I think that's why you're following is the demo. It is how, how are the restaurants or I guess we could go deep on this, but are they finding you through social, or are they just word of mouth, or are they just Google, th- googling custom made steak knives? Or I think I think yeah, they're googling, and I th- they're all come from the website anyway. Yeah. So whether it's word of mouth between restaurants, I know obviously a lot of restaurants are run by you know larger groups, so maybe word has got around there. Um, but particularly in the last three or four weeks. 90% of inquiries have been about sort of bulk orders for restaurants as opposed to home cooks. I just realized it's, which is it's what, your SEO. You're killing yeah, the I think, SEO, aren't you? I think that's what you? it is. I think that's what what's, it is. What's so, SEO? Search engine optimization. Oh, I thought that was like, I thought that was like short for Seoul, Korea. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Leave me alone. I'm tired. I'm no. tired. <clears throat> yeah. So, so it's difficult. So I think going back to the original point is, you know, about being successful. Remember what your goal is. Yeah. And everybody's goal is going to be different, as I've said. So uh. your goal could be working part-time so you can spend more time with your family. And if you can do that, you're successful. Your goal could be to make as much money as you can. And if you can do that, you're successful. So, you know, really sort of finesse down those ideas to what successful is to you. And keep, you know, keep that as your main focus. All these other things can help you get there. But keep that focus. That's right, Josh. So there you go. There's your answer. Keep your focus. Yeah, hope you're happy. Give me an answer to your question. The next one is a message we've had sent in. And this is from James Mayo Knives. Hey, cutie. May I ask you a question? (laughs) Hi, guys. um, Two-part question. Firstly, um... What is your design process um, from mind to build? Do you go through a computer route or um, drawing route? Uh, and secondly, um, could you recommend um, a beginner computer route, uh, as in like a computer design thing, without spending a shed load of money on um, like AutoCAD or something like that? Is there any, is there any um, smaller ways to get into it? Brilliant podcast. Thanks, guys. Bye. Brilliant part. He knows the shit, doesn't he? He knows. Um, you guys go first. What do you think? I got nothing. I, I'm going to defer to I, you guys. Well, I mean, I in regards to computer, I, I never use computer. I don't use computers, and actually, to be honest with you, that's something in the next five years I really want to start to – I want to start to learn AutoCAD. I want to be able to uh, write my own files so I can't have things water jet cut out. I'm, I'm kind of sick of – you know, having other people do it for me, I, I feel like I, in order to be self-sufficient, I think I got to learn that stuff. Um, my opinion on the, my designs is I design my knives, and then I make a template of each knife I make, and then I constantly do subtle uh, variations of those of those 
original templates and I come up with an evolution. My knives evolve and they come from a place, uh, a, a very sincere place. I'm not looking at other people's knives and just kind of like copying other people's knives. My knives, if, if you look at my first knives to my last knives, there have been subtle variations and you see this growth of the evolution and a lot of it has to do with all my drawings are to scale and I can actually take some tracing paper, take a Sharpie over the tracing paper and over the drawing and then rip you know, rip the profile from the drawing and then I can, I, uh, adhere it down to the steel and then I can actually replicate that way. Um, but I don't have any computer experience. Dinosaurs, the two of you, dinosaurs. Yeah, I draw everything. Whatever, man. <laughs> Whatever, man. Whatever, man. You're the dinosaur. I don't know where I was going So I, I, I use, I use computers. Um, so all my designs are done, um, t- just 2D CAD, um, just as 2D files. Um, I use Inkscape, which is free on a Mac, and I think there's a PC version as well. Um, and it does exactly what AutoCAD will do, but it's only in 2D. Um, so you you take your you know your points of your knife and you can change them and change them on it, whatever. I've got this really cheap. Um, it's like this plotter thing with a razor, so you can print. It's like a printer, but what it'll do, it'll cut out card. So imagine like a big laser cutter. This is simply just a little razor and it'll cut out card to the exact dimensions. So what I do, once I've designed a knife, which I think I'm happy with, I'll get a cardboard cutout to scale, um, hold it. Um, I'll sometimes even just get some cheap scraps of wood and put a handle on it so it's just like, you know, so I can feel the size, that kind of thing. Um, and then, you know, iterations and that, they're cheap. You just go back to the computer and you just, you just, you know, you make your amends and then just print another one until you're happy. And once I'm happy, I'll then make a, um, a steel template and I'll use that template. And I've got a bunch of them here and I'll use that template for sort of future, future versions of this knife where I'm always using this template. What's the name um, of that app? I'm sorry. What's the name of that app? Inkscape. Inkscape. So there's, there's, I mean, everybody talks about AutoCAD, but I think, for knives, you don't need to do 3D stuff unless you want to render these beautiful images, you know, on screen that, you know, you can show people. It just needs to be 2D, which is almost like a line drawing, which is your profile of your knife. So I use Inkscape, but there's there's a ton of others. Inkscape is free. There's lots of good resources on YouTube showing you how to use it. Spend two, you know, over a weekend, you, you can be proficient enough on Inkscape to be able to, you know, design your knives. <laughs> Um, the files that most, um, whether you're getting them cut, whether Waterjet or whatever, or what, you know, just for yourself, will be a DWG file. Um, and that's just a, a, a normal sort of file, computer file, but it will have all the dimensional data. So every point that you've made this knife with will be there. So it'll be an exact replica each time. But yeah, that's Inkscape. It's free. Um, go and download it. Have a play. It costs nothing to do. Um, and I've just got this, this, this huge folder on my computer with... I'd say, I'd, I'd say over a hundred different designs now, and you know you can make amends to each one. It's it's just super simple. So just give it a try. nothing to lose. I'm give gonna try. try. I'm gonna try that out. Can I just That's send my one. drawings to you to render? There you go. There you <laughs> go. I've done that for people in the past. <laughs> so what I've done in the past There's is people will make a drawing. Uh, make a drawing put a ruler next to it so i can see the scale mm. and what you can do with inkscape um and again if, if you're one of those people who prefer to draw things out before using the computer you can import that image in you can change the uh the dimensions so it's the uh, the size of the ruler is correct so each millimeter is by millimeter 
Um, and then you can just almost like trace that line drawing on the computer. So you've got a digital version of your of your drawn out file. So you could could you take a picture and just scan over? So you could scan it in and then just kind of do your plotting your lines over the exactly. scanned image. That's exactly. That's, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's super yeah. simple to do. So just jump on YouTube. Over a weekend, you'll be more than proficient enough to do what you need to be doing. There you go. Boom. At the, at the beginning of that audio question, was he trying to do an American accent? I don't know what that was. I wanted to say <laughs> Let's something. have a look. Hey, cutie. May I ask you a question? Kind of like Spot. was that Spot? He sounds like a it's drunk kind, cowboy. <laughs> I, I thought it was kind of like uh, like uh, Christopher Walker walking a little bit. You know, it was strong. <laughs> yes. When people send in these audio um, questions, we spend a few minutes just taking the mech each time. We, we <laughs> yeah, welcome to Night Talk Podcast yeah, in the past, and we had fucking Elmo Bobbins. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think we're scaring people off. Maybe. No, no, no. Nah. No, no. Okay, no. well, we've got another. Another one! Hey, cutie. Can I ask you a question? Does ferric chloride go bad or need to be replaced at some point? Thank you. That's the, what the hell is he doing that, to those cows? That is the most cowboy shit I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> that That's Ben Snoor, who is the coolest fucking cowboy I've ever heard. He's a blacksmith. He's a farrier. He's a hammer maker. He is the, I mean, that is some hard, that is the best, that is the best uh, audio question we've ever gotten. That's pretty good. <laughs> I've forgotten the question. What was he it? He wants Let to know if Eric, or we play it again. Hey, cutie, can I ask you a question? Does ferric chloride go bad or need to be replaced at some point? Thank you. I love you saying, right hey, cutie, in his, in his southern accent, <laughs> yeah. too. Hey, Dude, cutie. He a, hey, cutie. Hey, if you don't follow Ben Snur, you're you're missing out. The guy is sharp dressed, looking good. I'm gonna I'm gonna give him a big punch up next next week. He's awesome. So Love does ferric chloride go bad, or do you need to replace it? Well, I'll tell you, cutie. You know, <laughs> no. Uh, like uh, when you're using, you should do that again. <laughs> yeah, the ferric the the acid does weaken over time in use. Uh, it also, I think, like fluctuation in temperatures and exposure to light can also mess with it some people kind of quote-unquote re-oxygenate it with hydrogen peroxide and uh and like what is it steel wool like clean steel like steel wool that doesn't have detergent on it basically like not the kind that you would use for scouring pans and stuff um but I would suggest just get some new ferric and just buy it. You can buy it off Amazon. You can buy it by a pint, I think. And uh, just get some new ferric. And if you find that you're either the ferric isn't etching as actively or aggressively as you're used to, I usually find that I know my, my acid is starting to die out or, you know, kick the bucket when what usually only takes maybe 40 minutes to an hour to to, to etch is taking t- like two to three times as long. That's telling me that the acid is just not as active. And I don't know necessarily what is happening that causes that, but it does seem to happen like all of a sudden, um, you know, from one knife to another. And at that point, I just say, eh, okay, time for some new stuff. Now, don't just go dumping that out in the yard or anything. You got to you gotta neutralize drink that. It. No, Oh, some some sorry. poor soul is gonna drink this stuff. They're gonna die because of you, Jeff. Hope you're proud. Not me. That's some no me. As a as an idiot's gonna listen to that. As an idiot's gonna listen to that. Well, I'll just drink it. Um, 
I don't, don't and drink. by the way, P.S. I know somebody, one of our listeners' dad is a huge nerd and give us fritz about calling it an acid, and I don't know what the fuck we're supposed to call it. I, I, I'm with you, uh, but like, you know, it's not an acid. I don't know. We're going to call it a compound, an acid. I don't know. I'm not, I didn't even take chemistry in school. Yeah. I'm, I'm working so, on figuring that out. My man. But my that's man. what I got. All that's right. what I got. All right, cutie. All right, cutie. Figure it out. That's the answer. There Nothing to add. Nothing, Nothing to add. Yeah, nothing to add. Drink it. Taste it. That's the, that's the answer. Taste it to see if it's weak. Just kidding. Stupid people. Uh, All right, next this one. next All one, right. I like. I like this. Um, Falk Knives on Instagram. Hey, cuties. What is your opinion on the difference between the Western with the more belly and the Japanese, which has got a flatter profile style of knife? Pros and cons. Keep up the good work. Sorry for the crappy grammar. And I, th- I think he's in Sweden. I think he's in Sweden. Yeah, yeah. What do you guys prefer? What first of all, what do you prefer guys prefer to use a Western style or more of a Japanese style? I like them both. Yeah, I think it, it good just, answer. It just depends on how I'm feeling that day. If I got my hair back. Mm. And I'm ready to do some work. Maybe I'll go for the Western. <laughs> but if I if I do, right, baby, <laughs> just let it loose. I love no, it. I think <laughs> this gets back into off. the whole. Yeah, exactly. You got the my shirt off. I'm I, I'm cooking, grilling up at the beach. <laughs> my underwear, then I got the Japanese my underwear. <laughs> Sit around my underwear. My hair is back. That's a calendar shot. That one. Ah, there there you go. <laughs> January, Mr. January. I just yeah. I just had Start some coffee. Right. Got my no clothes on. What knife am I going to use? Great. I, I think I Fantastic. got your, that's your next Instagram bit, cooking bit. <laughs> Jeff Jeez, Bader with his shirt off, grilling. Uh, anyways, I think this goes back to the whole. Smoke. You don't want this smoke. You don't want this smoke. <laughs> this goes into people. Some people get a little too prescriptive about which is better than the other. I, it really just comes down to personal preference, I think. So uh, the 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 pro points I've heard for especially like Japanese handles is that um, they. People like the faceting as a quick kind of indexing reference for if for different processes they may be doing, whether it's filleting a fish to doing you know regular standard vegetable chopping or other kind of things. Um, the different facets kind of act as little cogs or different positions in which you can hold the knives or know you know when I hold it this way it's gonna have a really secure grip for doing whatever but then I also hear people I think he's talking more about the blade as in the belly of the blade and the flatter profile of a Japanese blade oh I was I thought he was talking about the handles obviously sorry yeah no no, I'm an idiot yeah no you're not Put that shirt back on. Put, Put your shirt, shirt back on. <laughs> Put your shirt back on. And and by the way, P.S. Don't taste the ferric chloride, please. I I all of a sudden now I'm in a panic about it. So just just the last question. That's disregard right. that joke for God's sakes. Go ahead. Put your shirt back on. And what kind of blade do you like? Yeah, I, I like a more Japanese uh, profile. Now, while they look flat. They are not flat. They there is a long, continuous, gentle curve, but they are not flat. Just so you don't make that mistake. I th- I've seen a lot of people who are definitely or who are just stepping in the chef's knives for the first time, and they think that a portion of the blade has to be flat. You may see that in commercially manufactured li- knives, but that's because those companies are being lazy. You do not want a flat area on your. I mean, okay, maybe some people yeah. do, but for the most part, well, ninety nine percent of the people. 
for a practical functioning chef's knife, you do not want a flat spot on your cutting edge. I like yeah. a big ass roll. I like a there big old roll. You like the I Western. Want butter ass. I want, you like that I want a stuff. big I want a big old fucking roll, baby. <laughs> I, I do like the way I cook, it's I'm in a pinch position and there's a lot of mincing and a lot of rolling, so I tend to like a l I don't do push cutting at home at ever. Not once. Not once if I do I ever cook like if I'm just you know not thinking about it I'm cooking do I do with a push cut, so I am a big fan of the roll, yeah. uh, so I usually put a lot more uh, radius on my uh, the angle of my blade than probably a lot of people do but that's just that's the way I cook at home when no one's watching so yeah you think I'd say pretty watching? similar I like to use a sort of rocking cut rocking motion to cut yeah um, I didn't have any sort of formal um, cookery training. Um, but this this is what works for me. Yeah. Just you know that whole rock cut. But with regards to the the knives that I make, I'd say they've got quite a flat towards the heel. They're quite flat, and it actually fattens up a little bit as well. For you know for things like when you when you do want to mince with it with a sort of chop cut, I suppose. Sure. Um, but yeah, there's still a bit of a belly there for a roll. Yeah. Um, so I suppose my, my knives are I suppose trying to appeal to a, sort of a wide bunch, and maybe you know I should I should sort of specify and you know be and be specific of what what i'm looking for yeah. um but, but what i like to use is definitely something with a bit more belly right yeah. yeah all my knives even my euro style even it has the euro aesthetic but it actually has more of a japanese actual the, the profile of the cutting edge is more of a japanese style except for it does come up a little bit more to accommodate that rock chop because if you are bringing the knife up for a high uh, like a tall piece of meat or vegetable or fruit or whatever uh you don't want the tip of your knife digging into your cutting surface um and so you gotta that's one of the the reasons that the european style it, it, i mean it just comes down to ideologies based around cutting food and the, in europe uh, they do more of the rock chopping and the reason that the tip sweep, sweeps up isn't it, it's it's a result of function they don't want the tip digging into the cutting surface so that tip has to be swept up so that when you are cranking that knife up to yeah. cut through a, a, a bell pepper you know that tip's not digging in versus the japanese style they do a lot more draw and push cutting depending on what you're doing i do a mix of both just depending on what i'm doing if i'm working like a bell pepper or something i'll lift a knife up to do a push cut but then i will do a rock chop to slice it into narrower like julienne cuts and then i'll you know, do my Brunois from there, but it's just, I'm, I'm a mix all over the place. And so, but yeah, that's my, cool. that's what I got. Cool. All right. The next question comes from Walsh Kean. Is it Kean? I think so. Right. Yeah. Walsh yeah. Kean. Hey man, can I ask you a question? What's a good exercise for a beginner to develop hammer control and general blacksmithing skills? So this guy wants to know if you're starting out being a blacksmith what would be a good exercise to get you squared away? And not, I'm not just—I don't think it's a flexing exercise. It's like, what kind of? How do you get hammer control? Yeah, I mean, I think a big part that I always struggle with, like you can swing hammers all day, and that's definitely important. But I think something that's just as important, or possibly more important, is keeping in mind of what's happening in your offhand, your managing hand, your tong hand, 
that's holding the material so that you know you're holding it flat or parallel to the surface of the knife or to the anvil because um, if you off angle it you're going to get all kinds of wiggle and whoop and, yeah. and moving and in the, the stuff and um mike quisenberry actually at travis Schwartz's hammer in, he was working with neil kamamura and uh, Mike refers to his tong hand as his smart hand and his hammer hand as his dumb hand. Um, obviously, you need hammer accuracy um, when you're forging, um, but there's to him, there's more going on with your managing hand than your tong hand. And, yeah, I mean... Managing hand more than your hammer hand. Hammer hand, yeah. Oh, did I get that? Sorry, yeah. Managing That's hand all versus good. hammer hand. I... I would suggest one of the best things uh, is making bottle openers. I, I'm a huge bottle openers are super fun to make. You end up using a lot more um, blacksmithing technique than you realize, and the 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 you end up doing a lot more control because it's such a small piece of steel, and you end up getting com- more comfortable using your managing hand, your hammer hand, and I think small, and it's also, they're great because you can give them away, and they're really relatively quick to use, and you become more adept at how you're holding a, something small and anvil, like, like uh, when you're working on the, if you've already popped the hole, and then you're stretched out the opening for the, uh, the, the opener, you have to be very careful on how you're holding the bottle opener against the anvil. Like the anvil, all of a sudden, it might the face of the anvil might be bigger than than your material, and you have to figure out you you end up becoming a, a problem solver in terms of efficiency. Um, I know the blacksmith's pub guys are doing um, a spoon challenge uh, where you make a spoon and they're posting up the spoons that people are forging. That's fun. There's a lot of blacksmithing co- uh, organizations that are doing that, like follow along thing. I think that um, I think the bottle openers are one of the best beginners uh, projects you can do because, like I said, they're super quick to make, and then there's you know you actually have something that you can actually people can use. And there's a big market for spoons at the moment. Yeah. Don's, oh, yeah. Don's, Don's exploiting the market. Speaking yeah. of which, we, we Don <laughs> Don Wynn is a he's a he is the April April Fool's Day champion. We just talk about that for a second, real quick. Yes. Yeah. So I thought I had April Fool's one. So I, I briefly mentioned on the show last week that I was I was making forks. Um, and poke. It was gonna be called poke poke forks. <laughs> so I put up this thing Monday morning. Um, and I had a few laughs and amazingly had a few people believe in me, sending me these messages. It was quite, quite strange. So I thought, oh, I've won. I've won April Fool's Day here. A couple of hours later, you see Don's come and it blew mine out of the water. So Don, Don Wynn, who um, I've had on the show in the past, um, he, he, he went all out for his April Fool. So he, uh, he, announced on Instagram that he was no longer making knives, that all his efforts were going to go into into spoons. Um, he worked with... Who was it? Who I think did it's he have a the, newspaper. The, 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 a Tusk, the Tucson newspaper, some newspaper or magazine. Yeah. He, yes. he went yeah, it's deep. a digital he magazine. Went, he, went, he went deep, deep, deep. Yeah. Yeah. Deep, deep, deep. A photo shoot, the whole lot. It was, <laughs> it was, it was good. It was it magnificent. Was it was, well, it, was, it, it was great. It worked for both sides because they get to put put up this article about this guy making eighteen hundred dollars spoons, and then Don got to turn around <laughs> and put it up. What's great? The Travis Wirtz reached out to Don. I found out later, and Travis is such a great guy. He reached out to Don. He's like, 
dude, we can make this happen. We can make these different grinding setups and stuff to, to really get <laughs> oh. in there and clean out the bowl and stuff. And Don was like, oh, man, thank, thanks, but uh, that was just a joke. <laughs> so, dude, that was Travis the strongest. <laughs> that's the strongest move. That was a strong move, man. Yeah. Hats off. Hats off. I Look, Impressive. I was trying to fuck around last week, too, with the April Fools, with the whole Forge of Fire thing. I thought it was my, my, my intention was to be a little bit bombastic for April Fools, but, you know, hats off to you. You won. You won. Let's, let's go back to last week, Jeff. All right. Go ahead. Um, you said something which we didn't really pick up on. You were going to be in a movie as a, as a child. You're going to be this big Hollywood no, Hollywood no, uh, movie much, child. What, what no, was look, what was this going to be? Much like much like some of the th- some my my words get taken out of context and clearly I'll often. So I didn't say that. I, I was almost in a movie when I was a kid. Hey, you want to go? You want to go here? Let's do it, baby. Let's go there. Let's go there. So when I was a young kid, as I said, I was a uh, good looking good looking young man. Good looking. Et. Pardon me. Are you gonna let Home me tell alone? the story? You're gonna e. cough up. You're gonna come up with some bullshit <laughs> jokes. You want the story? The story's funnier than the bullshit me. jokes. That some, that some of you guys need to come up with. So, um, my sister had a bookstore in, in uh, Lower uh, in the West Village. At, Annie, at, Annie. Are, oh my god! Are, are we done? Are you done with these? What do you think this is? The fans of the Forge are gonna tell some bullshit, stupid jokes, and then and, and that. Come on. What? What? Are, come on, man. Just hold no, what you got. You. I'll tell I'll you the sto- you. story is better than whatever you're gonna joke you're gonna say. So go for the story. Uh, my my sister had a bookstore and she was friends with a casting agent. So she was talking. My sister was talking, and I was at the time I was in eleventh grade, and um, she was talking to the casting agent. She said we're we're trying to get a movie together, and we're looking for a young young a young lead role for this movie. And my sister said, well, tell me about it. And she said, she's like, my brother is, uh, you know, he's in whatever, in 11th grade or something like that. You know, why don't you let him have go down there? So they gave me a message. So I got a message and um, to, to go down to this uh, casting. I didn't, I, I didn't do any acting. I, didn't, I, I, really, I mean, I did a little bit of plays here and there because I went to an all-boys school and I was, you know, trying to meet up with girls' schools because that was the only way I could really, you know. But other than that... I didn't do any acting, so I went down to this uh, place. I met my sister. We went to the went to this apartment, and um, they had me read for this movie. And you want to know what the name of the fucking movie is? The name of the movie is Blue Lagoon Two, the sequel to the uh, Blue Lagoon movie. Oh yeah, I've seen it. The number two, that. not the number one with Brooke Shields. Oh no, yeah, all right. Both so, of them. so number two, starring a young Mila Jovovich. So mm. I, they had already cast her at the time. And I had no idea. I was fucking in 11th grade. I didn't know any better. So I'm like, yeah, let's go, let's go, go ahead. So they told me all about it. And they said, we're, if you give between me, it was between me and the guy who got it. And I didn't have an agent. I didn't have anything. But I read the script and they were like, they were super uncomfortable. I had to like, there was one point where, I, you know, the Blue Lagoon is the story. These kids are washed up on shore and they have to grow their, you know, they live their lives and they become like they mature. And then they, it's all very like this very uncomfortable, awkward yeah. coming of age <laughs> thing. And they were going to, they were saying, well, just we'll dye your hair blonde. And, you know, but you're going to have to, you know, you're gonna, we're going to be filming in the Fiji Islands for the summer. I'm like, that's great. Just what I want. This girl. And they show me pictures of this young Mila Jovich. I'm like, oh, she's so unbelievable. So unbelievable. And, um, it was super uncomfortable, and luckily for me, I didn't get it. But it was like because I found out the reviews were beyond bad. This was like 
one of the wor- there was they said the only thing worth seeing in this movie is the the is the is the is the plants the plants in the Fiji Islands. This is the worst piece of shit of all time. So I dodged a huge bullet. And the funniest part was I got I got kept getting calls to um to to go back to go to callbacks. And I'm just like and I'm, I'm reading the script. I'm like, there's just no way I'm gonna get this fucking thing. I at one point I gotta wake up with an erection and I gotta I don't know there's no parents on the island and you don't know you don't know what am I supposed to do? And then I'm sitting in the goddamn car with my mother and she's reading it. She goes, Jeff She's we were sitting in the back of the car. Jeff, this scene you have to get a boner. It was just like so uncomfortable. I'm talking to my mother I'm like, oh my god, mommy. I don't. Wanna, I don't. So I'm just like, so the problem was I kept going to these callbacks, and then my school got involved because I was missing school to go to these callbacks, and I ended up the the headmaster of the school set me aside, and he says we don't want you to do this anymore. You're missing school. And I'm like, look, if I get the thing, I'm gonna be. It's gonna be the summertime, and it was this huge fight with the school. I'm like, look. I, you can't tell me not to go on a uh, to be in a movie in the summer. I don't to do with school, and it was this whole big thing. And thank God I didn't get it. But and that was it. That was it in regards to the movie industry. And I, look, I, I'm not an actor, nor do I want to be. And there you go. There's your shortened. I almost was uh, shirtless and blonde as a. 16-year-old young man uh, making out with Mila Jovovich, which would have been unbelievable. And uh, <laughs> in the Fiji Islands. There you go. Answer. Blue Lagoon 2, the... Theta gets a boner. Yeah. I can see it. <laughs> big, big posters right. up all over the place. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, was supposed to, I was supposed to be shocked because of my coming of age. You know, you, there's no parents on the, on the island, so these children mm. have to, like, vi- vi- they have to understand their growing up. And, <sighs> gross. So gross. My mother telling me, yeah, you got to get a boater in the scene. I'm like, shut the fuck up, mom. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Get out of my life. Well, there you go. All right. So we do have a new sponsor, uh, the New Jersey Steel Baron. And this is the Brunos down in, uh, they're down in New Jersey. And uh, they're, they're still working on their website. Uh, but they got some deals coming for us. And it's going to be, uh, well, us and the listeners. Uh, it's going to be discounts on steel or, uh, you know, which they have a huge variety of. They also offer services like water jetting. They also sell handle material. But uh, it sounds like, I think, Craig, correct me if I'm wrong, but they're going to have different deals basically every week coming up once we get rolling with them. And uh, there's just, That's the plan, yeah. Yeah, there's just going to be all kinds of great stuff. You can find them. I believe it's New Jersey's steel.com or new jersey steel baron.com but you can go check them out they're also on instagram they do really good stuff and i think it also i think i saw on their instagram they're putting together like a retail front um where they're located and so that'll be pretty neat but keep listening uh for deals to come from our new sponsor new jersey steel baron yeah any day now they're gonna they're gonna pull the trigger on the new website and there's gonna be fresh deals every week special deals for our listeners um, and yeah, and like you said, they do steal any dimension you want in any quantity you want. They've got based every on stoops. what they have. Don't yes, ask for obviously. like an octagon fifty-one fifty. You know, I mean, let's just let's just be clear. Let's, you know, <laughs> they, they have what they have, but they're awesome. It's a family-run business, and you know, Pete, get up. come on, man, Pete, hurry up with the website. Come on, man. Well, and regarding the dimensions, they they do have their own cutting table. Uh, which they use for the water jetting. So they get the sheets and they cut them down. And so, yeah, yeah if you need stuff for cleavers all the way down the paring knives, you can get all kinds of different dimensions. 
Moving on, let's do some more questions. Okay. Um, Black Cat Blades has asked, Hey, cutie, can I ask you a question? Do you guys have any tips for helping to take better pictures of your knives with a phone camera? That's a brilliant, brilliant question. <laughs> and it's something that I struggle with because your knife is going to be shiny. It's going to have this big reflective surface on. And obviously you want your your handles to look good too. Yeah. Um, so what, what do you guys do? Have you got any sort of setup for that? I really... I just I'm growing with it all, and I'm trying to get the my favorite pictures is uh, with with natural light, and actually yeah. the pictures that I like the most is either you know obviously golden hour you know when the sun is super setting that last hour the lighting is usually really good. Um, <clears throat> in the middle of the day, it's tough because if it's what happens is is you'll see a lot of people have uh, get pictures with their knives outside, and then you'll see the that everything looks very blue, and it's because it's reflecting the sky. So I sometimes I try to do is I try to if it's early in the morning I'll open my shop doors and I'll try to bounce some of that natural light into the beginning of my shop, so I'll get a mm. better, much more natural light, and then it'll be a lot more um, it'll be more flattering. Um, I think that a lot of times that's the hardest part and I'm not a photographer. I don't know anything about photography, but I do know that for me, I like, I like the way natural light looks. Um, and I try to, I try to bounce light or I try to do it in the afternoon. No, this is a great, yeah. this is a great question. Cause it goes into who my community showcase person is. Uh, we'll be talking about later, but yeah, I agree with Jeff. The best pictures I've ever gotten were, uh, are using natural light. I just posted up that giant blade recently, and that was just out in the uh, the late afternoon light as the sun was just about to cross down into the uh, you know in the sunset. And um, it's the diffuse light when it's too bright outside. I find you get a lot of those really stark kind of what are typically referred to as hot points, but really bright reflections of light. Um, so when the light is very diffuse, either in the morning, like Jeff was saying, or in the in that late afternoon, uh, those are the best things you can try to do. You can you can take a picture, like next to a window, and pr- get pretty good uh, light exposure um, just using that. But also, if you know, depending on your smartphone, uh, I have an Apple. I think a lot of people have Apples, but you can go in and use. They have some editing features. Instagram's f- editing features are actually also really great too. I like them a I lot. I love those. Yeah, love those. and uh, but there are also a lot of different apps that you can get for helping. At least once you get the photo. Um, after you got it, you know, going in and editing it. One of a friend of mine, he's uh he's the great grandson of Henri Matisse, and uh, he's a photographer. And he always says that taking the photo nowadays is only twenty percent of the job. The rest of it is then going in and helping to create uh, what you saw in real life because our our eyes are capable of seeing so many different variants of lights versus uh, any kind of digital, especially like a smartphone or even a digital camera, only sees a small fraction or is cap- capable of capturing that fra- uh, a fraction of all those different kind of lights. And uh, so, but yeah, post, post editing. Yeah. That's where it's at. I've, I found that with my iPhone, I can actually take better pictures than with a more expensive camera. Sure. Um, so, I mean, if you're using an iPhone, make sure you've got the HDR setting on because what that'll do, without you realizing, it'll actually take a, more than one photo yeah. huh. um, and, it'll, and it'll pick out the, you know, the best tone from each huh. rather, rather than just have you know, the tone from one area of the photo. So it, it can make things a lot more dramatic when it comes to handles, that kind of thing. That's yeah. a good. I didn't know that. I, I'm going to try that. I, I was going to say I like portrait mode because I think sometimes it gives you a little bit more uh, depth of field. Depth. 
But yeah, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, what I bought is one of those really cheap on Amazon, one of those sort of little photo light tents. It's just like a white, yeah. um, like tent material, nylon-y stuff. Yeah. I put that on a windowsill, so I've got the, the, the sunlight coming in, that sort of diffuses in. Um, but I like to then use maybe like a cut-in board, something like that in there, so it's just not a completely white background. Sure. Um, but, you know, that'll give you a passable kind of, you know, shot. Um, but the best photos that I... I, I you know, I wish I could do them, but I, I just don't. Um, the best photos that I see, people who use shadow really well. Mm. Um, Don Wynn, a good example. His photos oh, yeah. are always incredible. Yeah. Um, uh, Worker Man, um, what's the guy's name? I'll tell you who, Sunset, Adam? Sunset Forge and Jay. Adam, Adam, yes, yeah. He, he takes great photos as well. Um, but yeah, you can do it. You can do it cheaply, but you know, just take your time. Um, get a little tripod for your for your iPhone or whatever camera you're using, and use that setting, that timer setting, so you're not actually hitting your camera to take the shot. Huh. You, you know, you'll hit the shutter, and like ten seconds later, it'll take the shot. Yeah. That way, there's going to be no shake. There's going to be no. That's blur a good idea too, because it's it's fixed in position. I know yeah, the did... Sunset Forge NJ and Cliff Dufton. They take great pictures of steel. Is super hard to photograph. That's one of the things, mm. especially with blacksmithing. Steel itself is hard to capture. I don't know. If there's something to do with. I don't know why it is. Always has been like, especially back in the day when we were trying to get pictures of railings. It was always very, very difficult to get good pictures of railings. And uh, Sunset and Cliff do a really good job. I know they use a light, a light box sometimes, but they they really capture these very stark, beautiful pictures of their hammers and their knives yeah. and all the things that they make. Really good, One- I like that. I like that. I actually I have one more tip. So it, like we were just saying, it is very challenging to get a good exposure, a good decent light across the entire blade. And so something I've started doing, I started doing this a couple of years ago because I was struggling with this, is I would get the best overall shot of the knife as I could. But then I'm realizing like everybody's looking at the stuff through Instagram, through their phone, the screen is tiny. So w- what you want to try to do is create an opportunity as if they are holding the knife themselves and try to... Uh, assume the different angles and details they would look at. So then after you get the overall shot, go in, tighten in, and get some detail shots as if when somebody's holding their phone and looking at their phone, it feels like they're holding the knife and looking at the knife itself. And that way you can get uh, more of those detail shots, but also it's easier to get good exposure across smaller areas. And so um, have the overall shots and then have a, a bunch of very detailed shots so that it feels like the person is like look, hand, actually handling and looking at the knife from a lot of different angles. Um, and I feel like that's one of the things that I've, since I've started doing that, those posts get a lot more interaction just because it is more engaging, more interesting for somebody to look at versus just the single overall shot. The single overall shot's great, but then people, I, I try to think of it as a, as a knife show. You know, people aren't standing 20 feet away looking at the knives. They got their nose right up to the steel. And especially if you have Damascus mm-hmm. on there, you want to get in there and get some of that stuff. But even like the, the finer details about where the joints line up or your maker's mark or whatever, like anything that you're really excited and proud of, get in there and get a tight photo of it so you can really display that so people can see that as if they're holding it themselves uh this is from get lost knives this is hey kitties can i ask y'all a question do you guys do deliveries or have done them before to people you don't know personally if so are you nervous that you're essentially hand handing someone a weapon and you have no idea how sane they are or do you avoid personal deliveries to randoms love the podcast hashtag pineapple pizza uh. Love it. Uh, so, uh, I so think what he's question. saying, 
No. When he's saying delivery, does do, do you think he means personal delivery, go in there, or yeah. is it a case of shipping, mailing? No, I, I think he means hand, like hand any, delivering uh, a knife. Yeah. Uh, I've I've done that a few times. Um, usually, I've I only do that with people I actually know or customers who are repeat customers. Um, otherwise, that is <laughs> potentially a concern. The the biggest issue I've had with this uh, was when I was actually teaching knife sharpening lessons. Like I would go to people's houses, and after like the fourth or fifth one, and people are fine, but I realized like it, one of these lessons was out in the middle of nowhere. I'm like, holy shit! I'm driving out here. I don't even know if I'm gonna have any service. I was like, what happens? This person's a fucking psychopath. And you doing personal it, sharpening lessons? I used to do personal sharpening lessons. Yeah. Holy mackerel! That's terrifying. It's hard. There's a, there's a lot to fit in in a short period oh of time. My. All right, go ahead. So you're at this place. There's no, no that's, service it's, and you're freaking out? No, it's just, that's just it. But fortunately, the guy ended up being a decent guy. But I realized and I started – I told my wife, I was like, that was actually one of the last uh, – it was like the second or third to last personal or private sharpening lesson that I did. Um, and it was just because – like I got home and I told my wife, I was like, this is fucking crazy because I'm going to these strangers' houses. You know, there's all kinds of – psychopaths out there who you know you you hear these stories through like craigslist which is like an online sales site where people are like oh yeah meet me up or come by and drop it off and and then people fucking kill people or do all their they horrible don't want things guys, they're not you're not a you don't I, you're not a target i mean I, I would be more nervous if i was like a masseuse you know you know you hear about these masseuses going to people's houses and you know shit gets a little squirrely pretty quick but I mean, yeah. you know, they, they, knife guys—they don't worry about knife guys. They, they, people think that we're all think. People think that if just because we're knife makers, that means that like we're walking we're around all ones. over the place with like <laughs> knives in our teeth, you know, in the teeth in our teeth, and we're like no, all, teeth, all, you had all right. knife, all, yeah, teeth. There were you know, we're all <laughs> knives all the time. You know, it's like we're in a probably a better situation than in regards to weird not stuff. And they all think we're Doug Micarta, Micarta, Markida, Markida, Doug Markida. Ricardo. <laughs> uh, but Jeff, you've had people come by your shop. Like, how do you feel it. about this? You hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Well, <sighs> actually, you know, I, I do. I, I, I had a customer actually came by who was, uh, who bought a knife, uh, from the CIA, the Culinary Institute of America. Thank you very much. Let's not get crazy. Uh, and, um, he uh, won uh, a knife I donated, and he came by the shop, and that was cool. But generally speaking, I once in a while I'll have somebody stop by. I'm never totally thrilled with people popping in my shop anyway. But like, no. I've never been. There's never been an awkward situation. But that is a good point. I, I but I, I, you know, you gotta. It is. I like to send my knives. I like to. I like. I do. I like zero personal. You know. <laughs> It takes time out of your day. What are you going to go drive down to wherever to give a guy a knife and say hello? No, oh, I won't do that. Mm. Just put it in the mail. What's wrong with that? <laughs> I'm slowly getting people come into the shop here because oh. when we, when we first got here, we, massive suspicion by the locals. They were like, "Who are these? Who yeah. are these Brits set up set up in the village?" Yeah. You know, and you know, and the French. There's a big tradition of knife making here, so you know, eyebrows are being raised pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, slowly, slowly people are coming in and starting to sort of accept it. So I think when this store does open now, we open up the shop front. Um, I think taking your advice that we talked about earlier, I will be open just one day a week to the public. Yeah. 
And I think that day I'll just sort of write up. That'll be a day for hand sanding, for polishing, that kind of stuff, you know. And as people come in, you know, fine. But yeah, I'm I'm not worried about people coming in, you know, using a blade on me. I um, you, you know, you couldn't do the job if you thought that was the case. <laughs> yeah, that's a bigger problem in Britain, isn't it? They have all those crazy, yeah, crazy it's, knife. Laws. I tell you, it's <laughs> it's awkward at the moment for British knife makers. I'm feeling for them because. Getting stuff shipped via post is becoming more and more impossible. Um, even even the, the you know high street stores now they're no longer selling they're no longer having knives out for sale. Um, Amazon all all these places they no longer ship to the UK. So for a, a British knife maker, you know there's going to be knife shows. Um, there's going to be having their own retail presence. That's the only way they can get knives out. Um, it's yeah, it's challenging. So I think things will be changing in the next few months. But what can you do? What can you do? Yeah. Well, you can raise a stink. You know, you can raise a stink. I, I, There's plenty more stinks to be raised in the in the UK I at the bet. moment. Believe yeah, me. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, this is bottom of the agenda stuff. Yeah. Are we, one more question. Yes. Go for All it. All right. Uh, are you going to do Zim's Zim's joke? I'm going to do Zim's joke when you... All right, yeah, I'll do Zim's joke. All right, so this actually... We'll just f- finish off. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? With We got a, we got a, a celebrity uh, call-in. And I call-in. Somebody sent a joke. This is uh, my buddy Nate Zimmerman, Zim Knives. He asks, what's the, f- do- what's the dog's favorite part of knife making? I don't know. What? Rough grinding. But I'm fine. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> they never Rough get good. Run. I tell you what, I love Nate. <laughs> no, he's that's a good one. one. I like it. He's the he's the pride of Wisconsin, but they these fucking jokes never get good. <laughs> they never get good. I am but however, Nate is an awesome dude. He's a great knife maker. He's a funny guy. He's, I like him very much. He's, he he does a lot of stuff with Isaiah Schroeder sometimes and they're the pride of Wisconsin. That's what I and the you know, joke is fine. Actually, I do have one more question. This one's from Wolf5396. He says, hey, man, uh, do you know any programs slash people to help beginners get into knife making making in the Austin, Texas area? Uh, The only thing I know of in Texas is uh, Texas Farrier Supply every Tuesday uh, evening at starting at like five and it just is open ended. They have what they call uh, hammer time and they have things set up. They have a bunch of anvils set up, a couple forges, and they invite people to come out and hang out and forge whatever. Either it's your first time or your experience, whatever. You'll have somebody uh, come can help give you some pointers. Uh, Neil actually went when he was in Texas, went and hung out with them for one of their evenings in the forging. But if you're in the area, I think they're in uh, they're in Kennedy, Texas. Um, or Kincaid, Texas. I can't remember. Uh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, guys. But check them out. They're on Instagram, Texas Farrier Supply. Uh, they, uh, you know, they do their thing every Tuesday. So if you're in the area, you should go check them out. They are good dudes, I wonder. Too. I wonder how the, the heat affected Neil's hair there in Texas. <laughs> it was a mess. Ugh. <laughs> oh. It's just so dry there. Whoever, thanks to whoever put my face on Neil's body uh, uh, last episode. <laughs> that was... Uh, I thought that was Craig. That was awesome. <laughs> Which idiot oh, would have yeah. that been? Yeah. Which nice job, idiot. Craig. Nice job, Craig. <laughs> Nothing. Yeah, listen, people have been taking the piss out of me for a couple of days now. 
So what? what's the big deal? I can take it. <laughs> you know what's not a joke? Tell me. Our next spot. Our next sponsor. All right, baby. Sock it to him, Jeff. Sock it uh, to him. I, I fucked up. I, I, where am I, where am I lost my place? That's the, the, <laughs> I fucked up. You gotta, don't edit this, motherfucker. All right, now. Here we are. So what's not a joke is... Amateurs. Amateurs. What's not a joke is we have been having excellent luck with luck and support from combat abrasives combat abrasives sells belts discs epoxy stabilized woods and what they're doing is they're offering our listeners 10 percent off on all their orders with the promo code knife talk 10 they've been awesome but you as the listeners have been awesome because you've been posting it in your stories all your belts that you've been getting from combat you've been tagging them tagging us it's terrific i appreciate it we all appreciate it Combat Abrasives is doing an awesome job. They've been fulfilling all the orders. They have awesome belts. I know we're all very fond of the shredder belts, the 36 shredder belts, the 80 uh, shredder belts, 80 or 60 shredder belts. They're awesome. They also do Scotch-Brite belts and all the different sizes. They sell them in bulk. They sell them individually. It's a terrific, terrific company. They've been a huge sponsor of us, and I'm appreciative of them. Combat Abrasives, get your promo code KNIFETALK10. Yeah, 10% off all orders at combatabrasives.com. Craig's Community Showcase. Community Showcase, the bit of the show where we like to give a shout-out to people whose work we really appreciate. Um, And I've been looking through archives of this, and I don't think this guy's been mentioned, and it just surprised me, because I know you guys are both big fans too. It's Greg Sims, so gcknives underscore inc on Instagram. Beautiful, beautiful chef knives. And apparently he's a part-time chef as well, so he knows what he's doing. Um, but, but the knife that sort of brought me in, uh, onto his work was this chef knife that he did, and he had this, this fuller on this on that chef knife, which, which was quite a rare thing I haven't really seen. Yeah. But he did it so, so beautifully. So, so go and have a look at his work. So it's Greg Sims, and that's GC Knives Undersaw Inc. And he also teaches, I think he has, sometimes he has, like, San Mai classes. His San Mai game is some of the best in his... He's just he he does a lot of Japanese style swords that are incredible. He does a ton of San Mai Damascus stuff. Uh, I know he works with uh, MP Knives, my buddy Matt. Every so often, he's a he's so so talented and uh, perfect. Who have you got? Oh Jeff? me? Okay, just in case we haven't <laughs> forgotten, um, you know uh, what I'd like to highlight is a, is a, a group of bladesmiths who are uh, trying to encourage more uh, knife making and highlighting knife makers in uh, the UK and Europe. Society of British Cutlers. That's uh, Society of British Cutlers on Instagram. That's Matt from Brooks Blades and Andy from Cuttlebrook Blades. They decided that they were going to highlight um, and showcase knife makers from the UK and Ireland, and they've been doing a lot of international stuff too. They're trying to do something good. I know that they uh, they're trying to figure something out. I know they got big guy. You know, they made a joke on Instagram. They made a you know joke with Nick Rossi. Nick Rossi says, "Hey, get me over here. I'll do something." They're trying to make it happen. They're good guys. They've been doing a lot of showcasing of knife makers and especially in Europe. And I look everywhere. They gave us a day too. So um, give them a shout out. Give them a sponsor. Give them a Society of British Cutlers love and good go- good job, guys. Bada bing, bada right. boom. 
Bada bing, bada boom. All right, my community showcase this week is Mr. Jim Cooper. He's on Instagram as at sharpbycoop, C-O-O-P. He is a phenomenal photographer. Uh, he is knife-making adjacent. He does uh, some of the finest photo- photographic work of blades in the industry. Um, he... He's actually here in Connecticut, so from time to time, the guys here at Dragon's Breath Forge actually drive down and uh, hand-deliver knives and swords instead of trying to ship them. Um, But he's just – he's a – absolutely phenomenal photographer he uh he does everything in a very and he's also i think he's also a collector and a huge admirer for knives one of the like we were talking about earlier one of the biggest issues is getting really decent photos and if you want to do that jim is he's definitely the guy to go to uh he really is very good at handling uh some of the finest work you could make um and that is being made out there and um and so that can also be another thing that makes people nervous about uh, not doing their own photography and sending it out. It's like, oh, man, I send this out. You know, what happens? It gets there. It gets dropped. Jim has handled lit- knives literally from all over the world. He is incredibly talented. And uh, he it, not only does he take phenomenal photos, but he also does a lot of work to help distribute and market your photos and get them into magazines like Blade Magazine and other kind of, uh, you know, hunting, whatever is relevant. But hunting magazines, maybe I think he's starting to do more culinary magazines, especially with so many um, uh, custom makers getting into the culinary knife game. Um, And so he does a lot to help uh, not just take really nice photos, but also get your work out there. He's got a huge following too. So when he posts something up, he tags you up. It's a really great shout out. Um, and you know, I think you get the bang for your buck. I mean, it, it, when it comes to marketing costs there, what better can you ask for than a fine, like high quality, high resolution photograph, uh, professionally taken of your work as well as it possibly getting in the blade magazine or others of the like so go check him out sharp by coop jim cooper he's a badass he's a great guy and he'll be at blade show he's at blade show every year so if you happen to be down there pop by and say what's up to him i think you can also i think he also at blade show he has a like a room and you can like schedule to have your knives taking photographs there doesn't he yeah he gets one of he no, no, no. He gets one of the. Uh, they have a, so outside of the actual blade show, they have several in the area, uh, like conference rooms. And so he gets a hold of one in the conference rooms, and you can, you know, you you bring your knife over. He's got a little sheet you fill out. You you tell how many different angles, how many photos you want of each knife, and yeah, pass them off to him. He takes photos. They're done by the end of the day. So if you don't want to mail your knife and you happen to be a blade show, that might be the time to do it is there. You just pass it off. You get it back later that day. And uh, actually, I think his son helps with the photography and they hand deliver the knives back, I think. Uh, At least I've seen him running around with knives. But yeah, if you're going to get photos done at the show, uh, you don't want to ship or the cost of shipping or insuring, even on top of that, could add up pretty quick. Um, do it at the show, any of the shows that Coop's going to be at. He was just down at the ICCE show. He'll probably be at Blade West. He goes to a lot of different shows doing his photography work. Nice. Boom. Okay, that's a show. I, there's one thing which we haven't touched on, which is uh, the fans of The Forge. Oh, Jesus so Christ. We, <laughs> we've been having a quiz, um, and we've, we've, I think we've had three or four rounds of this quiz now. We had a grand final. Jeff cheated in the, in the final. Yeah. Aye, aye, so aye. the guys, are, the guys aye, are fans aye. of the Forge. 
come forward and they said, you need an independent judge, and they're throwing their hat in the ring. But they made a video this week of their own quiz. Have you guys seen it? Hey, Jeff, yeah. Jeff saw it. I, I'm yeah. sure of that. Yeah, he loved it too. It. it was, it was. A, I can't. That is ten minutes of my life. I will never get back. <laughs> I was. I mean, that literally. I mean, uh, look. I, go ahead, describe gay, it. It was brutal. Gay, gay off fedora. That's all I took from Jesus that. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so they basically made a quiz. All about Jeff. Yeah. All about Jeff. There's a special appearance oh. from Morocco. Um, yeah, thanks. This, this guy. Yes, thanks, buddy. Thanks for thanks for. Hey, I thought you loved this shit. Now, now I'm feeling bad. You sound some... like you just got kicked in the nuts and somebody killed your puppy. That's no, no. It's fine. It was just a. Uh, that was brutal. That was brutal. <laughs> so, so Chris from Fans of the Forge, he's playing hard. He's yeah. he's desperate to be a the the quiz master for our next round, but um. Who knows? Maybe we'll have another round one day. But um, at the moment, Jeff is the stand-in champion. Um, I relinquish my belt. I relinquish my belt. <laughs> I, I, I won't stand for... I won't stand for... I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid to do it again. It's fine. That video... <laughs> guys, come on, man. I'm not going to go after you because I don't. I know how these things go. It's with escalations and escalations. and I'm not going to escalate. I'm not going to say anything, but I was, oh, my God. That was... I wasn't. You funny. sound. Was, you sound so like defeated. That. Not at all. I'm not defeated. I'm not trying to be. I'm trying to be uh, positive. Thank you for including me in your uh, in your show. Con- obviously, you needed some content, so thank you for thank you for providing it. I appreciate it. I don't. Know what That's to, I don't know what to say. I mean, it was like it was like one of those Saturday Night Live skits that like at the end that should have been cut. It was like a little hard. It was hard, man. <laughs> it was brutal. Jeff's, Jeff's not feeling it. He's not feeling I'm it. I'm feeling it. I'm with them. Listen, fans of the Forge, we've said ni- only nice things to them. But I'm with them. They're great. That video, that was hard. That was a hard video to watch. Hard. <laughs> Fucking hard, man. Moving on. <laughs> That's a show. That's a show. So a quick reminder that the forum at knifetalk.net is back up faster than ever. Really nice to see lots and lots of people using it. So if you've got a question you've sent us, we haven't had a chance to answer it yet. Put it up on the forum. There's lots of people up there who will have probably better answers than us. Um, So go and take a look at that. Go and take a look at the past episodes. We're now on episode 61. So there's, there's a lot of content up there. So go and take a look. And we shall be speaking to you again next week. See ya. Bye bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.